Good to see everybody. My name is Kyle. So glad to see you, and we're so glad you're here with us today to worship as we sing about the great, great love of God. Are you thankful for the love of God this morning? Man, I'm so grateful for the love of God, and uh, I appreciate how he just loves us relentlessly, and he just doesn't give up. Well, we are in our third and final week of this message series called From This Day Forward, and you guys have made it even more fun by sending some pictures, and we got a few more we want to put on the screen for you right now and share with you, and you can find all these on social media. Up in the top left-hand corner are the Cottons, and uh, they were married 30 years a couple of weeks ago. Let's celebrate that. Way to go. 30 years. It's awesome. Um, got the Pulliams up there. He's putting cake on her face. It looks like she beat him to it. If you look at the picture really closely, those guys are a lot of fun. Up in the top right-hand corner, uh, they've been married a week and one day now. Uh, the Wineland's up there. They weren't here last Sunday for some reason. I don't know what that was. Uh, they were honeymooning. It's awesome. Um, we got the Ricketts down here. Uh, Rick and Kathy down the bottom left. Uh, Brad and Michelle Duncan right there uh, looking fun on the beach. And then uh, Constant Constance and Keaton Grifford down here on the bottom right. And so just thanks for sharing those. It's a lot of fun. Um, just um, seeing those pictures of you guys and your wedding day and those memories. Uh, we started out in week one talking about seek God. And then last week we really looked into this idea of what it means to fight fair. And the interaction I've had with you guys uh, over the last couple weeks has been really, really good. Hopefully the interaction you've had with your spouses have been even better. Uh, but I just want to praise God for just... Um, how you are so willing, as I'm trying to be as well, to learn and to grow uh, in our marriages. In fact, uh, just this past week, I uh, had one man that walked up to me, uh, been married 30 plus years, and just very humbly told me, man, thanks for teaching on this. Wish I would have heard it 30 years ago. And I was so encouraged just to hear uh, that just humble spirit uh, in that man as he's just trying to become the husband that God wants him to be in his marriage and the follower of Jesus that God wants him to be. Another guy walked up to me, been married 37 years, and he said, man, I still need to hear that over and over. And then another man, who could be my grandpa? Uh, he's that old, and I love it. He walked up to me and just with a humble spirit said, man, I think you were talking to me today. And I mean, he's been married forever, right? And he's still learning, still listening, still growing, still maturing in his faith and in his marriage. And so as we talked about seek God a couple of weeks ago, ultimately the idea that we presented to you to latch on to and to go forth with is that as a husband and wife, you need to pray together. Several of you expressed to me, man, I've prayed for my wife, but I've never prayed with my, my wife. And you've begun doing that. Man, praise God for that as we just seek God over and over and over again. And we meet up um, as we seek God together. And last week talking about fighting fair and how we need to listen a lot more and how we need to speak a lot less and how we need to be slow to get Angry, And then today we want to talk about don't give up. So seek God, fight fair, and never give up. Help me out with a little participation here. How many of you feel like you married your opposite? Are you with me? Like you and she, you and her, you and him? All right, all right, so it happened, all right. Tends to happen a lot, doesn't it? 
Um, how many of you would say you are like extremely punctual? Being on time is like being godly for you, right? Punctual. All right. There's a few folks that aren't even here yet that won't be able to answer this next question. How many of you are, say, a little more creative with your time management? Anybody? Some of you are like, I'll raise my hand when I want to, right? I'll, I'll do that in a few minutes. You'll just raise your hand. I'll be like, why are you raising your hand? You're talking about that. Uh, how many of you say, like, you're a planner? you got everything mapped out. Everything's got to be so-so. Any planners in the room? Anybody? All right. How many of you on the other side of that, it's more like the journey is the destination for you. You're just a party all the time and whatever comes up. You know, okay, all right. How many of you are the savers? Like, you're a saver. You, don't, you just want to hang on to it. You're a saver. You're a saver, okay? How many of you are spenders? Raise your hand. If you could leave your hands lifted, we're going to have the ushers come. You see these guys? We'll get the offering going here. Oh, wow. Man, we're different, aren't we? I mean, we're different. My wife and I, we're different in so many ways, and praise God for that. Praise God for that. Um, in fact, if we were all the same, somebody would be unnecessary, right? And yet God puts us together, and he's got a plan. It's not to sit back and chuckle at us that we married our opposite. He's got a plan for us. So what we want to do right now is take a look at Matthew chapter 19 and to see what Jesus has to say about when we come together in marriage. Uh, what we're about to read um, is very serious, it's very intense, but I pray that God will use it to speak into your life, and we'll be looking in the book of Galatians as well. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse number 3. I also want to say before we read this, that I understand that in a room this size with this many people, uh, we have people in different spots in life. I'm going to speak into that in just a moment. And as I read this, just understand I want you to hear this with grace and not with guilt. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 3. Some Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day, came and tried to trap him, meaning Jesus, with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, I want to pause there and speak into this question and let Jesus answer it. But in that culture during that time, it might surprise you to know how often and how easy it was for people to get a divorce. I mean, we look at our culture today, and again, the stats show us it's like a 50-50 shot in making it in marriage if we do marriage the way everybody else does marriage. But you've got to know that in cultures that have come and gone long before we did, they were just as messed up as we are, and maybe even more so. In fact, as you really start unpacking what was going on in this day and age that we're reading about, your eyes will be open to realize, man, sin was running rampant then, just like it is now. In fact, this would be the equivalent of what we would call no-fault divorce. In other words, things aren't really going the way I want them to, so I want out. In particular, the men would view their wives as property, literally. And they would hold them as property, and as soon as they weren't valuable to them or good enough for them, they would just drop them like a rock and move on for any reason. I don't know, say she overcooked the bacon. That's a little bit of a joke because they couldn't eat bacon in those days as a Jew. Anyway, we're free to do that now. Thank you, Jesus. 
but for any kind of reason. They would just get divorced. And so they thought, we'll trap Jesus, we'll get him. Can, can a God, can a person just get divorced for any reason? Look at verse number four. Jesus begins by saying, haven't you read the scriptures? Question mark. Great question for us to consider this morning. As you're going about your life and you're making decisions, should I, shouldn't I? Well, can I, can't I? Have you read the scriptures? Do you know what God says? He's talking to a group of people here that he knows have read the scriptures. They grew up memorizing it. But guess what they also went on to do as religious leaders during that day? They went on to write their own scriptures, if you will. They wrote a lot of books that weren't from God to say, well, we can do this and we can't do that. And so he takes them back to the word of God and says, have you read the scriptures? goes on to say, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And I just want to make it very clear. There's no argument when it comes to God's word. There's no debate. Marriage, according to God, is between one man and one woman. Verse number 5. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined. That's a strong word here, joined together. Joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Everybody put your fingers up, number two right here. And the two go are united into one. Do it again. The two are united into one. How does that happen? I can't really explain it except for God is telling us something powerful and spiritual takes place when a man and a woman come together in marriage. They are no longer two, but they are one. And so for just a moment, I want to allow this piece of paper here to kind of illustrate uh, Two becoming one. Um, so we've got one piece of paper here now. So when two come together, they are one. It goes on now in verse number, verse number six. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. I think everybody in the room would agree that divorce is painful. Would you agree with that? Some of you in this room would agree with that because you've been through it yourself. Some of you would agree with that because you saw your mom and your dad go through it. We've had a close friend go through it. And we agree that divorce is very, very painful. I've heard people say before that I think I'll be better off after we're separated. I think we'll be better off after we've split up. I'll be better off after we've divorced. I had one man one time who was doing his best from what I could see at this point to follow Jesus. He was trying, and he came to me, and he said, you know what, I think I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, yeah, she doesn't really want to follow Jesus, and I think I can be a better follower of Jesus if I divorce her. And I'm like, yo, bro, that's not really how this thing works. Tried to, like, show him in Scripture and help him see this, and he was just convinced that things would be fine and good and ultimately better when he divorced his wife. In fact, he said, you know what, I've thought about it, and I think I'll actually uh, not go through any pain when I go through this divorce. And I said, man, I, I disagree with you. Sure enough, he went through with it, divorced his wife, 
And he then went through some pain that he could not even imagine nor describe. Why? Because two have become what? One. And when you start tearing apart what God has put together, you are going to get pain. When you start splitting it apart, there is pain and there is suffering. And there's damage done literally to the soul. To the soul. God says, my plan for you, my best plan for you, is to become one and for you to remain one together. So if you're married, okay, and that's you today, you're married. God wants you to stay married to the person you're married to. He wants that for you. He desires that for you. He wants to give you what you need, not just to stay married, but to have a fruitful, loving, glorious marriage. He wants that for you. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know how that can even happen. I think we're at the brink of it being over. I don't know if there's any hope for us making it. Let me remind you, Jesus died on the cross, and he didn't stay dead. He came back from the dead, and we believe that brings hope to anyone and everyone and everything, including your marriage. If Jesus can come back from the dead, I believe that if both of you will be willing to get your eyes on him and experience his presence, he can heal your marriage. You're like, man, you don't know what's gone on. You don't know what all's happened. Listen, I probably have heard it before, and I just want to tell you, I've seen, I've witnessed God heal marriages that just seemed like they were past the point of no return. The risen Savior is our hope. In fact, there are some marriages in this room today that are trophies of God's hope and God's grace. There are some stories sitting among you right now where people have been so radically changed and God has radically, uh, just amazingly rescued their marriage. He's done that. If you've been divorced, I'm not speaking today so that you will have guilt piled upon you. You've had plenty of that. You've had plenty of that. But I am speaking so that you will hear what God has to say so that moving forward in your life, you can have a biblical view and help from God, not just to feel better, but to do life differently. And ultimately, maybe one day approach marriage differently. Maybe you're scared right now. Maybe you are married and you fear for your health right now. If there's abuse in your life, in your marriage, in your home right now. Listen, I just want you to know we don't want you to stay in that scary place. We want you to get in a safe place. But at the same time, we believe that it's possible for the risen Savior to change you, change your spouse, and change your marriage. And if you need help and you need hope today, we'd love to reach out to you and offer safety to you. And through the name of Jesus, hopefully offer healing towards you. So as we read this passage of Scripture about God making two one, and they're supposed to stay together, and if God put them together, don't you dare split them apart. I want you to get this big idea this morning. The point, and that is this, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. 
Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Now, here's what I know. You know a lot more about a contract than you do a covenant. We, we know how a contract works, right? And it's the way most of us approach life in general. The idea of a contract is this. A contract is based on mutual distrust, right? I don't know you. I don't trust you. So let's write something up so that when you do something I don't like, I can get out. I'm in this as far as you're in this, and when you step out, I'm stepping out too. It's about my rights, not about my responsibilities. That's what a contract's all about. But a covenant, covenant is based on mutual commitment. Commitment. A covenant's based on mutual commitment. A, co- a contract has definitely uh, got an end date on it always. A covenant says, you know what? It's permanent. Is till death do us part. Let me give you kind of a working definition of commitment this morning. You might want to write this down as we think about covenant, we think about marriage, we think about commitment, we think about faithfulness. Commitment is the willingness to be unhappy while we work it out. Let me write and we say that again. Commitment is the willingness to be unhappy. While we work it out. Ask me if I've been happy every day of my marriage. I'm not going to surprise my wife when I say I have not been happy in every day of my marriage. (gasps) I'm willing to sit down and let you teach if you've been happy every day of your marriage. I'll be happy to do that. All right? Be glad to do that. There have been hard days. Sometimes it's just because of life. Sometimes it's because of stupidity. Sometimes it's because of sinfulness. But when we are unhappy, and you are going to have unhappy days in life, and you're going to have unhappy days in marriage, but if you're committed, you know what you say? I'm sticking with this even when I'm unhappy because I believe that we can and we will work it out. Okay? That's a covenant mentality. That's taking serious the vows that you've made towards one another. Let me tell you how intense, intense this word covenant is. Let me give you kind of a word picture, if you will, from the Old Testament and older cultures of what it looked like to enter into a covenant. And by the way, I always share this idea um, with those that are thinking about getting married and offer that we should do it in marriage ceremonies today. And for some reason, they don't take me up on it. Because here's the idea. They would take an animal. They would cut it in half. I mean, like, cut the animal in half. Gross? Yeah, sure. Blood? Yeah. They would cut it in half. They would let the blood drain. They would put one half of the animal carcass over here, and they would put one half over there. In entering a covenant, they would join hands. They would walk through the middle of the carcass that had been torn in two, and they would say, I am making this commitment, and if I don't keep up my end of the deal, may the same happen to me as has happened to this animal. Who's signing up for that one today, right? We'd have kind of a messy uh, little podium up here if uh, that would have happened last week, right? That's how intense the idea of covenant is in Scripture. It's the reason why the blood of Jesus and his body being torn for us is such a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's a covenant. It's God saying, I'm going to do this for you. It's very interesting to note, too, as you read Scripture, that every time God 
enters into a covenant with man that he normally waits till the man falls asleep. Literally, read the scripture. Till he falls asleep for God to enter into the covenant. Why? Because God knows me and he knows you. He knows we can't keep up our end of the deal. But God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this covenant with you, and I'm going to love you relentlessly and recklessly, and I'm going to pursue you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to give you everything I've got. And he made the ultimate statement of covenant and commitment to us through Jesus on the cross. That's what was taking place when Jesus died for us. It was God making a covenant with man, saying, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you rescue. I know you can't clean yourself up good enough to come to me, so I'm going to clean you up through my blood, and I will love you, and I will save you, and I will keep you. Oh, the gospel. And some of you, married or not, that's the message you need to hear today, is that God loves you, He has loved you, He will love you, He always will love you, and He gave Jesus for you in spite of your sin, in spite of your failure. You see, love doesn't just give a person what they deserve. It gives them what they need. How many times has my wife not given me what I deserve? Thank you. She's given me what I need because she, she loves me. She loves me. Married people, listen, love is about giving your spouse what they need, not necessarily what they deserve. It's commitment. It's covenant. It's faithfulness. You can't say, I love God, but I hate my husband. Scripture says that's impossible. You can't say, I love God, but I hate my wife. Scripture says that's impossible. They just don't go together. If you love God, you love your brother, you love your sister, you love your spouse too. And this love comes from God. It's this unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Look now to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. Don't be misled. Don't be confused. Don't, Don't miss the mark here. It says, you cannot mock the justice of God. In other words, God is always right, and God is always going to set things right. Okay, God is always right, and God is always going to set things right. I don't know about you, that gives me great hope and great comfort. One of these days, God who is right is going to make everything right. It goes on to say, you will always harvest what you plant. Do you hear this principle? You will always harvest what you plant. So if you plant apple seeds, what are you going to get? If you plant orange seeds, what are you going to get? If you plant cauliflower seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get what you plant. Okay? Go on now in verse number 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest, decay, and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to, to please the Spirit, I encourage you that if you underline your Bible to underline that word Spirit there, underline it. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest 
everlasting life from the Spirit. There it is again, underlining. Which, which one do you want? Let's see. All right, so I can either get decay and death or I can get everlasting life. I mean, just think about it. Decay and death or everlasting life. Which one do you want? Mm, let me think about that one for just a minute. I don't know. But see, we forget about that when we make choices a lot of times. That our sinful nature, and we go about it things selfishly and for what we want, and we disregard God and we disregard others, the end result of that, what that's going to bring forth, is decay and death. There are some marriages that have ended in divorce. Why? Because people have sown forth their sinful nature, they've done what they wanted to do, disregarding the other person and disregarding God, and it has brought forth the death of that marriage. But there are others where marriage is making it, it's thriving, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's because they have been sowing forth um, things that please the Spirit of God. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time. Now, what time is that? I don't know It's the right time. God gets determined when the right time is. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Married people in the room, don't give up. Up. Would you join me in saying that? Don't give up. Why? Because God's got something good in store for you. He's got something good planned for you. Verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And I don't think we would be doing anything wrong to say especially to our spouse. Right? If you can be kind to others, great. But man, make sure you're being kind to your spouse. Oh, may God just convict our hearts. So listen to me. You harvest what you plant. You harvest what you plant. So what are you planting right now in your marriage? What are you planting? Now, I could give you a list of things that you ought not be planting in your marriage, but I've just got this feeling that the Spirit of God has already got those at the forefront of your mind. Right now you're thinking, man, I hope you don't mention this and I hope you don't mention that. Some of it might be kind of, we would say, smaller stuff, like maybe just our words aren't as kind as what they ought to be, or maybe we get over here and talk about faithfulness, or maybe we should say unfaithfulness. And you're like, oh, what are you planting right now in your marriage? Are you planting things like love? Joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You're like, wait, that's a pretty big list. Like, did you just come up with that all on your own? Is that kind of like your, wait a minute, that, all, all that? How in the world would I do that? You remember that word we underlined, spirit, capitalized, the Holy Spirit of God? If you go back one chapter, guess what the Spirit of God produces in you when you cooperate with Him, when He lives inside of you because of Jesus? That right there, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know if I'm capable of all those things. Let me just go ahead and help you out. You're not. 
but the Spirit of God living inside of you is. Listen, if you see love coming out of me, guess what you're seeing? The Spirit of God working in me. If you see gentleness coming out of me, guess what you're seeing? The Spirit of God working in me. If you see patience coming out of me, you are seeing the Spirit of God coming out in me. And guess what? He lives inside all believers. And he wants to help us. He wants to take control of our lives. He wants to take control of our marriages. What if those words described our marriage? What if your marriage was described by the words love and peace and kindness and gentleness and patience? What, what if, I don't know, that sounds like a pretty good marriage to me. I think maybe I want in on that one. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do in you and in your marriage. Think about this. If you don't like what you're getting, think about what you are giving. If you don't like what you're getting, think about what you are giving. What are you giving right now in your marriage? Okay? What are you, what are you pouring into? You harvest where you plant. You harvest where you plant. So in other words, if I take that apple seed or that cauliflower seed, is that how you plant cauliflowers with seeds? I guess you do. Anyway, and um, some of y'all are like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Anyway, and you put it over here, is it going to grow over here? No, it's going to grow over where? There. Where you plant something is very, very important. Where you put your time, your energy, your money, your emotion, your dreams, your plans, and your focus. Are you pouring those things into your spouse and into your marriage? Or maybe you're pouring those things into your hobbies. Or maybe you're pouring those things into things like hunting or your buddies or your girlfriends. And when I say girlfriends, I'm talking about the ladies and their friends because if I'm talking about the guys, we're talking about a whole other issue now, aren't we? But for some of you, that's not funny right now. Where are you planting? Maybe you're not getting anything because you're not giving anything. Maybe you are planting things you should not be planting, and you're planting them in places you ought not be planting them. And yet the Word of God says, don't give up. Well, I just don't feel it anymore. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel it. I, we're together, and I just don't feel it. How many times do you feel like going to work? And guess what you're going to do tomorrow morning? You're going to get yourself up and you're going to get yourself ready and you're going to put yourself together. You're going to put on the best face that you can and you're going to do it. Why? Because you believe there's payoff coming, right? You've you got to do it. You've got to hang with it. How many of you want to pay taxes? Well, I just don't feel it this year. Well, Tuesday's the day. You just don't feel it. I just go ahead and skip it. It'll be all right. You can say hello to Willie Nelson and all those guys. You know what I'm saying? So no, you do what you have to do. And listen, in marriage, there's some things you just have to do. And one of those things you have to do is just keep loving your spouse. Keep planting good things in them for God's glory and for your marriage's sake. Keep going. Scripture again, verse Number nine, it says, so don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. 
Keep trying. Keep trusting in God. Keep being committed. Step forward in faith and see what God can do. Step forward in faith and see what God can do. I want to have a moment of um, just participation. Um, I want you to think about this before you quickly respond, but I don't know if it's going to be two hands or if it's going to be 20 hands or it's going to be 200 hands, and it's okay, Um, whatever it is. But I just thought for a moment it would be good for some of you in the room to see where some people have been and where they are now. Because some of you are sitting in this room right now and you're thinking, we're the only one in this room whose marriage is not good. We're the only ones that are dealing with what we've been dealing with. And you think that everybody else in the room's got it together? I mean, we look pretty good on Sunday morning, don't we? We smile, we wave, we act like we like each other. I mean, things are good. We look even better on social media, don't we? So everybody else has got to be doing good. And we think we're the only ones. And I just want you to know this morning, you're not the only one. Okay? So I want you to consider this for just a moment and see if this is you. Okay? Think about this. How many of you right now would be honest enough to say that without the hope, rescue, and grace of the resurrected Savior, your marriage wouldn't have made it? I'm going to repeat that. I want you to consider this. How many of you right now would be honest enough to say that without the hope, rescue, and grace of the resurrected Savior, your marriage wouldn't have made it? Is anybody in the room honest enough to like be like that? That's where we, yeah. Mine's up. Leave them up for a moment. Encourage somebody. You know what these people are telling you right now with their hand lifted high? That if it weren't for the hope, the grace, and the help, and the rescue of Jesus, they probably would be sitting beside each other right now. Things wouldn't have turned out the way they did. But because of Jesus, he rescued their marriage. Never give up. Jesus is not going to give up on you. Maybe you think you've blown it too bad. Maybe you're like, well, it's too late. I already am divorced. Jesus still isn't going to give up on you. He loves you. He's pursuing you. He's got good plans for you. He's got grace for you. And you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what's happened between us. And I just, he's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on you. Never give I just want to say to every person in this room that is still married, thank you for not giving up. Because all those people that raised their hand just a minute ago, according to the world, I guarantee you that according to the world, they probably all had good reasons, according to the world, to say, it's over, it's done, let's let's move on. But you didn't didn't give up. You stayed in there. Praise God for you. Oh, by God's grace, may we seek God. May we pray together consistently and faithfully looking to Jesus together. 
May we fight fair. May we speak a lot less, listen a lot more, and be so slow to get angry. And by God's grace, may we never give up. This morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to God. Don't know how you need to respond this morning, but for some of you, it just needs to be a renewed commitment to never give up. You just need to take your spouse by the hand and say, you know what, I'm not quitting on you. We're in this for the long haul. This is a covenant, and I'm committed, and I'm going to stick with it no matter what. Your spouse probably needs to hear that today. For some of you, it's, 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 it's just, man, you've got you to figure out where you are with God this morning. Maybe for you, you're recognizing the love of God for you today in the first real way ever. And this whole idea of the cross and the covenant with God with you and Him pursuing you and loving you and loving you anyway is just, man, it's gripping your heart. And you need to receive Him today and let Him change you. Oh, let Him change you today. He can save you and change your life. We're going to bow. We're going to pray. After this prayer, we're going to stand. We invite you to respond to Jesus this morning.